Good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. I'm Marcus Grodi, your host for this program. And we're coming to you from the studios of the Coming Home Network International. And I'm joined today by Seth Payne, a co-worker who comes from our uh, northern office up in Perrysburg, Ohio. Hello, Seth. Hey, Marcus. Good to see you. It's good to have you join me today. Again, you've been on the program before. And thank you all for joining us on this uh, episode, another memorable verse episode. We started this particular theme of Deep in Scripture a while back, and my guests and I have enjoyed kind of the puzzle, the fun, maybe even the mystery of it, because Seth has come to the program today with a a scripture that is important to him, maybe has been important for many years, that he has memorized and, and considers this a verse that he believes is important for us to consider memorizing, uh, to have as our arsenal in the spiritual battle. I've come to the table with a, another verse myself that, uh, that I have known all my life, and I'm glad I know it because it's I'll talk about it in a moment. But the point of this program is Seth and I don't know the verses that we're bringing to the table. So after I talk about my verse, Seth talks about his, uh, we'll in the end uh, pull the two verses together and see how together the verses uh, help us grow in our walk with, with Jesus Christ and his church. So Seth, are you ready? I'm ready to go. All right. Great. I'm ready to hear your verse. Okay, well... Uh, this, as I was telling someone this morning, uh, when I think about a verse to choose for the program, it's not that I can't think of a verse, it's that often I've got a lot of them on my mind, and I'm thinking, well, what verse would be appropriate today or at this time? And uh, I like the verse that that I've chosen, um, and it's a verse that I've known I, pretty much all of my life. Um, I'm going to quote a particular verse that I think is good to know, and but it's sandwiched, if you will, around some other important verses. Um, and let me let me begin by I'll give you the, the verse that I I think we should focus on, and it's Philippians chapter four, verse six. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And actually, that verse goes on to verse 7, which is equally important to memorize, and that is, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I truly believe this is an important verse and I particularly think because of the day that we live in. And as I said, it's a sandwich. And let me talk about the sandwich, the verses before and after. Let me first say that I knew this, this verse in the wider context from as long as I can remember. Because back when my family and I began going to the Lutheran church, I was probably six years old, that every Sunday— good Pastor Melchert, after he preached his sermon, would end his sermon with Philippians 4-7 as a benediction. He would finish his sermon, and then he would say, and he wouldn't do the sign of the cross, I don't think. 
but he was he was very conservative Lutheran, he might have, but he would say, and now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I remember that phrase as, as old as any verse I've ever known. And he's using it as a benediction. He's asking that the peace of God would fill our lives, peace that's beyond our ability to understand. So in that sense, when we yearn for peace in our lives in the midst right now of a culture that seems to have gone haywire with crazy ideas, and we can sometimes feel like our culture, maybe even our country, is on the verge of breakdown, if you will, craziness, that we seek peace in the middle of it. And and this verse, Philippians 4, 7, is a prayer for that. May the peace of God, which is beyond our ability to understand. So we want something that God can give to keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why do we need to keep them? Well, because our hearts and minds get distracted away from our Lord onto everything else. And that's where our anxieties come from. And so that, so verse 7 is, if you will, the, the reward or the, the, what we abound in from the previous verse, which is the verse that I want to focus on, which is, have no anxiety about anything. But I need to, before I focus on that, I want to back up two verses. Because the entire paragraph fits together, because verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Then verse 5, Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. You see, that's the, if you will, the, the first part of the paragraph. We have a lot of voices in our culture that, that may encourage us to take our focus away from the trials and tribulations of the world around us. And if you will, I could reduce this paragraph, if you will, to merely the voices of our culture, which might say something like this, Rejoice always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. Have no anxiety about anything. Period. There was a a song out of Jamaica a number of years ago that was just called Be Happy. Be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Be happy, don't worry, be happy. Okay, that's a good call. That's a good request. But when you limit it to that, you erase from the equation the reasons to rejoice always the reasons to have no anxiety, and the source of the peace that we want. And so that's why when we go back, we fill in the important parts. Rejoice in the Lord. He's the source of it all. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Always. And I think the reason Paul came back and said, again, I will say rejoice, is because sometimes when you add the word always, rejoice in the Lord always, it kind of waters it down. Rejoice in the Lord at all time, okay. But then he said, no, wait a second. Now, again, I will say rejoice. Mm -hmm. Let all men know your forbearance. We have people around us that need our witness. They need to see that we, as followers of Christ, can have the right attitudes in the midst of all these conflicts. And what are the conflicts? He says right here. 
something that an awful lot of Christians just want to say, nah, 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 nah. He says the Lord is at hand. The mm -hmm. Lord is at hand. A lot of biblical scholars said, well, Paul was wrong. He thought this, Jesus was coming again, so obviously he was wrong. Here we are 2,000 years later. He was wrong. The point is, it's an attitude of being ready and watching and now. In fact, we live at a time where, I don't know, in the last 2,000 years, there's been more signs that we might be in the, the time of the, of the great apostasy. Uh, so we live in this time of waiting and being ready. The Lord is at hand. How do you be ready? Well, I'm going to read my verse again, and then I'll turn it over to Seth to get some ideas. Verse 6. To me, this is the key verse. And I'm going to read it, and I'm going to still leave one word out and let you see that there's a key focus to this whole paragraph that makes all the difference in the world. Verse 6 reads, Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. So it isn't just about uh, you know, don't worry or have no anxiety about anything. You know, a lot of times our anxieties are emotions. You can't stop emotions. With your intellect and will, you can choose to not let them pull you down. So you don't have anxiety. So what, what do we positively do? In everything by prayer and supplication, you let your request be made known to God. So that's what you do. You turn it over to him. You're rejoicing in the Lord. You're letting the, your family and friends around you see that this is your choice, your attitude. You're being ready because the Lord is very close, very near. And, you're, and with every, all the other things happening, you're not having anxiety. You're turning it into prayer and supplication because you know that God is the source. But again, I said I left out the key word. And the key word is you do all this with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. And the word for thanksgiving, interestingly enough, is Eucharist. Is Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And so we see it connected even with our sacramental life. That's the context with thanksgiving. Your thoughts on that, Seth? Well, I, this has also been a verse that's been important to me for a long time. And uh, I, I remember a number of times, you know, sermons uh, or Sunday school, and a number of times where this verse was brought up to focus really mainly on that word that you left out with thanksgiving. Yeah. That um, I, I remember a number of times when it was brought up, it was brought up in the context of, of prayer. And, and to say that when you pray and you ask for something, you need to ask with thanksgiving. And I think that the two sides of that are thanksgiving that, um, that you're thankful to God for all that he has given you, but also thanksgiving in, in, in a way in trusting that God is going to be there and take care of you. Um, I, I love how God... God's timing in, in conversations and bringing conversations, you know, into our life at the, just the right point. I was at uh, my men's group this morning and we've been reading through screw tape letters. <laughs> and the chapter this morning, screw tape uh, was talking to, uh, to his nephew about getting his, his patient to stop thinking about the present, to either, you know, worry about the past and dwell on that, or even better, to worry about the future and to just 
think about the future and not what we're doing right now. And so our, our conversation around that, one of the directions we took it was, you know, like you're saying, we live in a, in a world today where there is so much anxiety and realizing that if you know Christ, if you know God, then you can trust that he has everything in his hands. You can put the future in his hands and you can make the right decision now because you know that the future is in his hands. And so it really is that relationship with Christ where we can live without that anxiety. Yeah, what what's interesting in this behind it, we won't have time for it, is the word rejoice, the Greek word for that can also mean, it basically means be glad. Mm-hmm. Glad, gladness. What is gladness? And if you will, being thankful in a way is taking gladness the next step, right? You can be glad that something bad didn't happen to your daughter or child. You can be glad. Being thankful is giving credit for that gladness, if you will, right? It's recognizing Mm -hmm. why I'm glad. So in other words, uh, don't worry, be happy, that little song. Well, that's fine, but it's, you're not. There's 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 nothing saying why you don't need to worry or be happy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's why the key, as you said, that Thanksgiving, it's key to everything, is Mm -hmm. being grateful, being grateful to God, even in the midst of times. Um, even the fact that the, if the Lord's at hand, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's it's yeah. <laughs> praise God. Exactly, exactly. And and you know what? And I love the fact that you brought up the the benediction at your church. You know, that is one of the things that I I loved about the church that I went to growing up is that you know there there are I don't know, probably five, six, seven verses in Paul's epistles that are his benediction verses. And those are the ones that we're always kind of cycled through. And this is one of those cycled through at the end of the service, yeah. this benediction, this blessing, and yeah. and this idea that not only do we have the peace of God, but that that peace of God passes all understanding. We don't need to figure it out. We yeah. just need to accept his peace and have no anxiety because of the peace that God gives us. Yeah, and we can turn it over to God and ask him for his help and be grateful, knowing that he's going to hear us and respond. And uh, maybe even thankful he doesn't always give give us everything we ask for. <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. We're thankful that he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he's, uh, if we desire that he guides us, then we can be thankful that we know that he will and that he has. We recognize that. All right, my friend, what do you bring to the table today? All right. Well, <clears throat> so this verse, I can't remember when I first learned about this verse. I think it was probably somewhere in middle school. Um, but before I before I read my verse, um, my family had a tradition. My parents had this tradition for us. When we were 16, the main present that we got for our 16th birthday was a, was a ring. It was a silver ring. And... We knew it was coming. 
And so before, probably a month or two before our birthday, you know, my mom came up to me and she, she said, she asked me for a verse, a passage to have the jeweler inscribe on the inside of our ring. And she said, you know, this is a verse that needs to be important to you so that, you know, you, it'll always be there. It'll be not just on your mind or in your heart. It'll actually be on your body, on this ring that you wear. And so, uh, so the verse that I picked um, is 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself would ascend from heaven with the cry of command, with the archangel's call and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, shall be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Hmm. So I had those two verses. And um, when I was in middle school and in high school, I, I mean, it's part, partially, I'm sure, because of the church that I went to. I went to a Baptist church growing up and then into a, a non-denominational church. Um, but the, you know, I was, I remember having friends and having a lot of conversations about the end times. I remember, um, you know, there was the, the movie series that came out. I think it was probably in the, the mid seventies, uh, thief in the night mm. was the first one all about the end times and the rapture. And, and so I remember thinking a lot about this, about, you know, what, what is the rapture? When will it come? How do we know, you know, looking for, for the signs, um, but for me, the most important part of thinking about all of that was this promise that the Lord was going to come back and that I would live with the Lord forever. And I love these verses also because there, there's, you know, there's so much drama <laughs> packed into these two verses. You know, this, this image of the Lord descending from heaven with the cry of command, the archangels call and the sound of the trumpet of God. You know, he's not gonna come back, you know, I remember having this conversation a lot, talking about the, the two comings of Christ. The first coming, he came in a manger and he came in humility. And his second coming will be the opposite from that. He will come, when he comes again, there will be no doubting that he is here. And then after that dramatic entrance, we who are left alive, shall be caught up together with them that were risen first, the dead in Christ that will rise first. And then they, we will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I mean, that's, we're going to be up in the air with him. Yeah. And so we shall always be with the Lord. And then the, the, the verse after that, I think uh, is a good, a good summary. That's not, so it's not the one, one that I memorized, but, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And so if you think back to the first three centuries of the church, there was so much uh, persecution, so much uh, people were persecuting the Christians, people were killing the Christians, people were expelling them from the synagogue, from their towns. They, the Christians were not wanted. And so these were words that were used as a comfort to them. And because we could, we could be sure 
that no matter what happens to us here, that we will be with the Lord forever. Yeah. I have these verses underlined in my Bible, Seth, too, um, especially the dead in Christ will rise first, then we all alive who are left shall be caught up, and we will, shall always be with the Lord. You know, it's... Um, I'm going to say something that for some viewers may consider a little controversial, but this is a, a, a interesting verse from the standpoint of of why we need the church to help us understand Scripture. Mm. Um, because there are a lot of ideas out there about what the end's going to be like. You know, the rapture folk like you were mentioning, in other words, before the great battle, all of mm-hmm. the faithful will be pulled up to heaven. They won't be a part of the battle. You know, that's how they mm-hmm. interpret it. Uh, where, in fact, the, the church has always affirmed, along with, if you specifically, St. Augustine in the City of God, is that is that the, the thousand years, the millennial, we're living in it. Mm-hmm. We're in it. The age of the church is the millennial. And, and, and as we get close to the second coming, the prediction is things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. and then to an apostasy, and that's the battle. And and then when our Lord comes, we have this image that what's going to happen at the end in the second judgment, if we enter by grace into heaven, we're going to have these white robes with wings, and we're going to be playing harps forever or saxophones, mm-hmm. depending on. <laughs> I think the idea was if you go to hell, you get a saxophone. But uh, anyway, that. But, but the truth is in this passage that what Paul uses is the image of when a great conquering commander returns from the battle. And when he comes, mm-hmm. all the people go out to meet him. Yeah. And then together they enter back into the city. So the idea here is not we go meet him in the clouds and then we all go up to heaven. We spend eternity on a new earth. It's a new heaven and a new earth yeah. that we don't understand, but we'll be with him, as it says, forever. Be with him in a new earth, not with not with a harp and wings, but a, you know, new, a, a whole new existence with God. Something that that's why everybody comes. Those are in the grave. All of us go mm-hmm. to meet him victoriously in the crowds, and then we yeah. follow our victory to the new earth. Yeah. Well, and and the phrase that you know to pull a phrase from from your verse, uh, it'll be beyond our understanding. You know, we we can we can sit here and we can can wax eloquent for hours about yeah. what we think heaven will be like, and the one thing we can be sure of is it'll be so much more than any of that. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you think, Seth? Do these two verses fit together? Oh, oh, I think I think they do. Um, <laughs> You know, your your passage talks about, you know, have no anxiety about everything. And as you said, the Lord God is at hand. And, and there's so many ways that we can interpret the Lord God being at hand. You know, in yeah. the sacraments, he is always with us. In our hearts, he is always with us. He is always in the world. He is still working in the world today. And he will be with us at that moment at the end. He will come and he will be. Right now, he is only with us physically in the Eucharist. 
and that is behind the veil of the host. But when he comes back, we will be with him. He will, we will see him as he is. And, and as, as, you know, as I said, in verse 18, the past, the verses I read said, therefore comfort one another with these words so that they will not have anxiety. And so that, and so that we will have the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. But because we can trust that the future is in God's hands, even to the point that we know that he is going to physically return one day and bring us all to be with him forever. That is why we can live in the peace of God and have no anxiety about anything. Part of the reason Paul wrote this letter, as well as the second letter to the Thessalonians, because that they were so they they were well, they were waiting on the edge of their seats for all this to happen, and then mm-hmm. it wasn't happening, and then some people died. Yeah, and so what what about them? You know, we're we're, we're expecting the Lord, and that's why He says, well, even those who have died will they'll rise first, and then we'll meet them. So it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But one of the things we've done over the centuries is we've kind of lost that expectancy. Yeah, the, yeah. It's been it's been two thousand years since Christ was here, and and a little less than two thousand years since these words were written. And so that was so long ago. It could be, you know, it could be tomorrow. It could be a thousand years from now. We don't know. But we should always live just as Paul and all the Christians back then lived expecting that it could be any day. Yeah. Yeah, it really is important the the parable of the of the uh, of the maidens and their lamps, you know, and and mm-hmm. the point of that parable is you just don't know when the bridegroom is going to come. And yeah, so we be ready at all time. Yeah, or the passage where where Christ talks about, you know, two two men will be out in the field, one will be left, one will be taken. You know, we never know and we need to be uh, vigilant. Yeah. Every yeah. day. All right, Seth, my friend. Thank you. That was you. that was fun. I enjoyed that, yeah. and that was cool. They fit together, and again, it, to me, it's a real encouragement putting both these verses together. Think about them, pray about them. The reason we call you to to memorize them, at least n- know basically what they say in your mind and where they're at, so you need to find them. But they remind you about mm-hmm. you know uh, the the call to rejoice in the Lord, the call to have no anxiety. The, the call to present to him prayers and supplications, to be thankful, trusting that he's going to give you that peace, and that, uh, you know, combined with, with Seth's passage, that every day could be our last, mm-hmm. uh, but it gives us the hope that when that comes, if we're in the Lord, we'll be with him forever. Yeah. That's the great yeah. problem. And, and, to, and to remember that we will we will be face-to-face with the, with the Lord whether it's at the end of time for the world or the end of time for our lives. Our lives. All right. Thank you, Seth. Uh, and uh, also thank you, all of you, for joining us on this episode of Deep in Scripture. I hope it's encouragement to you. And please check out our website, chnetwork.org, for all the other resources we have there for your journey of faith. God bless you. Deep in Scripture is a production of the Coming Home Network International. To hear more episodes, view our full archive of written and video conversion stories, participate in our online community forum, and more, visit chnetwork.org. You're also invited to explore free membership in the Coming Home Network and receive support on your own Catholic journey. 
Again, visit chnetwork.org for more information.